You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Proctor looked at a three. Now he'll shoot a three. All right. Now to Eric Hunter Jr. To Stefanovic. He shoots a three. All right, welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. That audio courtesy of Learfield IMG College and my buddy Mark Walpole up there, so thank you for that. And of course, those voices, the great Larry Clisby and my guest today from Purdue Sports Properties, Rob Blackman. Rob, welcome to the show. Hi, Adam. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Exciting things to talk about, and it's always great to talk Purdue sports, especially after a big win and a big road win up there Saturday uh, at Northwestern. We'll get a little bit more into that game in just a minute, but as our, just let our listeners get to know you a little bit, Rob. Tell us about yourself and where you're from and how you got to Purdue. Okay, sure, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, so I grew up actually not far from Lafayette, Indiana, West Lafayette, Indiana. I grew up in Monticello, Indiana, uh, which is about a 35-minute drive uh, for all intents and purposes, straight up Highway 43 coming out of West Lafayette. <laughs> um, so I did grow up near Purdue, was a Purdue fan growing up, uh, football and basketball, um, however, I did not attend Purdue. Most folks think I'm a Purdue graduate. Mm-hmm. I am not. Uh, I do have three hours of credit from Purdue, <laughs> one summer class, a Psych 101 class. Uh, but actually, my uh, my degree is from the University of Evansville. Uh, I, I went to school at Evansville and graduated in 1993. So, uh, bouncing around some different spots. My first real job out of college was in a small town of Mount Carmel, Illinois, a tiny town on the uh, on the Wabash River down in southeastern Illinois. I uh, was there for five years doing high school games uh, for the local high school. I uh, went from there to Nashville, Tennessee, and did some uh, mid-major uh, Division One basketball work with uh, Tennessee State and, uh, and Lipscomb University. And then uh, caught a break uh, when I caught on with Purdue 16 years ago now. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of full circle. I started in, in north-central Indiana and uh, am back in north-central Indiana. So <laughs> a little bit of a journey for me, but happy to be back there, that's for sure. Well, it's great having you on the uh, radio there. We love listening uh, listening to you call the games there. And uh, speaking of games, we started off the show with the audio from the Northwestern game. So let's kind of jump into that. Talk about calling that game on Saturday night. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> you talk about an unex- unexpected pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh, think about this, Adam. We're down 58-50 with 250 to go in the game roughly. Uh, and we looked dead to rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, I uh, you know I'm thinking in the back of my mind because because I host or I shouldn't say host because I interview Coach Painter mm-hmm. post game. You know, with about three or four minutes to go in the game, you kind of start <laughs> in the back of your mind circulating the thoughts you're going to have, your questions for Coach Painter, good or bad, right? right. Uh, and so it's about the three minute mark of that game, and I'm beginning to think about, oh my gosh, what am I going <laughs> to ask Coach? Well, we just lost at Northwestern; they have only won one Big Ten game all year. Uh, he's not going to be pleased. How am I going to approach this? And then, bam, the next thing you know, we run off 11 straight and win the game. Um, So that was really a lot of fun. And what really I think was the most uh, uh, satisfying for me is, and you know this, Adam, you follow us closely, but we had gotten so close in these last few road Mm -hmm. games uh, where we had gotten buried and come all the way back Mm -hmm. 
uh, Maryland got within three. Uh, Rutgers got within three, just couldn't quite get over the hump. We were so close and couldn't do it. And then uh, Saturday night, we finally did get over that hump. We didn't We didn't just make the comeback. We completed the yeah. comeback by getting the win. So, yeah, that was uh, it, it was a nice, pleasant surprise, yeah. and I was very happy the way that thing turned out because with three minutes to go, it did not look promising. It did not, and it hit some big shots finally. They, you know, mm. Some cold shooting and then hit some clutch shots there at the end, especially – Stefanovic and, and Proctor have both been cold that game to, to hit big shots like that. When you're calling those games, is it tough to, you know, being professional and trying to hide emotion? I, I Watching the replay of the of Sasha's three, I think I see Clisby pump his fist, and I see <laughs> sure. you kind of get excited yeah. seeing that on the TV broadcast. I, I mean, I don't know, since you work for Purdue, if you're supposed to kind of be you sure. know, objective or whatever, but... Yeah. Good question. Good question. Um, I, I guess I kind of look at it a couple of different ways. Number one, to be fair to the listener, I do try to be as objective mm-hmm. as possible. Uh, one thing I don't want to ever do is insult the intelligence of our listener sure. by making it seem like Purdue's having a great day when they're not, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because there are times when Purdue, and it doesn't matter the sport, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter the team or what school you work for, your team is going to have bad nights. They yeah. just are. Uh, and there's no sense trying to be such a homer that you try to paint it in any any different light than what it is. And some days it's just bad. So yeah. you do have to you have to <laughs> let the listener know when it's bad. Yeah. With that said, when it's good, it certainly is a lot more fun to be a part of the broadcast without <laughs> question. I mean, that's the team you work for, right? right? Those are the guys that that sign your paycheck. So, right. um, but yes, you you do. There has to be some objectivity to it. Again, if you don't, you're just insulting the listener to. Uh, uh, making them think that something's happening that isn't. Uh, and I'll give you a great story on that. You talk about Cliz, and and he shared something with me very early in my career when I started working with him. Um, he once had an, uh, a situation uh, where he did try uh, to paint a, a much rosier picture than it was following a loss at Michigan. And Coach Katie stopped in this, and we're talking post-game coaches interview, and Coach Katie uh, stops him in the middle of the inter- interview and basically says, Larry, what are you talking about? <laughs> We were terrible tonight. I mean, <laughs> quit trying to paint this, you know, like some like things went well tonight. They didn't. Uh, and Cliz always talks about that kind of being a, lear- a learning moment mm-hmm. for him that he really relayed to me. Uh, you know, hey, if it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. And you just have to talk about it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I would also say this b- with both Coach Katie and Coach Painter. Uh, if it's bad, they want you to tell them it's bad, right? They don't, again, they're very upfront and honest mm-hmm. about what they see and uh, so if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. You do have to be objective. But I know that's a long-winded answer for a short question. But in the end, it's a heck of a lot more fun when you're playing well. I right, will say right. that. I remember uh, I graduated Purdue in '04. My first job was at WLFI up there sure. shooting shooting camera work and and covering my first Purdue football game on the sidelines. And you're you know trying to actually catch the play with the camera. <laughs> But also when it's a big play, not get excited. And I remember right. I struggle with that early sure. on because you, oh, you yeah. want to be a, a fan, but you right. also at this point are a pro- professional in the media. So anyway, thank you for uh, sharing that story. So obviously a big win Saturday, big week ahead. We got Wednesday night. We got Iowa, 17th mm-hmm. ranked Iowa coming into Mackey. Talk about that game. Well, they've won six of their last seven. Uh, I, I was really impressed watching them Sunday afternoon beat Illinois. Um, I did not think they would beat Illinois. I, I'm so thoroughly impressed with what I've seen with Illinois the two times we've played them. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see Iowa winning that game, even though it was a home game, and they found a way to win. Um, so that's that's the one. And, look, Iowa's been good this year, but that, that one game right there really caught my attention mm-hmm. Sunday. 
Um, Luca Garza is, uh, I, I would have a hard time uh, if I had to vote right now for Big Ten Player of the Year, I, I would be writing in Luca Garza. I, I can't even think of anyone else who would be 1A or 1B. Mm-hmm. I don't. He's just been that good. Um, he's averaging a double-double. He, he shoots 38% from three, shoots 55% from the floor. Um, he does everything. And he's their emotional leader. He's a good defender. Uh, he's a good passer. I, I don't see any flaws in his game. Um, so he is uh, he is going to be a load for us Wednesday night, without question. And then they surround him, you know, with just enough talented mm-hmm. guys that, you know, Wieskamp is a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot. Wieskamp was uh, probably the best freshman in our league last year. I mean, he's that good. Yeah. Uh, he's gotten overshadowed this year only because uh, Garza has been yeah. so good. Um, but he's a good player, averages in double figures. Um, uh, C.J. Frederick, their freshman, is averaging 11 points a game. Uh, I mean, for a freshman, that, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then their role players, uh, you know, think about a guy like Creener. Uh, what he brings to the table for them is just kind of that, that studying, you know, fifth guy in the lineup that seems to always make the right play. Uh, and then Connor McCaffrey is, I just saw the stat on him a couple days ago, 80 assists to like 20 turnovers. Wow. I mean, four to one. So, so he's not going to make a mistake. Yeah. Um, so they, yeah, they are. I, I'm really impressed with them. I know they're currently fourth in the league. Long way to go, but you know they're thinking about, hey, let's get a double buy in the Big Ten tournament, and we can do that if we keep winning, and if we can win a road game at Mackey Arena, that'd go a long way towards yeah. that. So it is going to be difficult Wednesday night, without question. They, they these guys are a legit, legit Big Ten yeah. contender. We talk about the road struggles for Purdue. Fortunately. Purdue is a completely different team at home. Yeah. You know, we've seen that against ranked teams this year. Uh, hopefully that home court advantage plays to hopefully. Purdue's advantage. <laughs> well, we're going to need it. It would be interesting to see how they, they, they body up Garza because he's big, so you'd want Trevion on him, but he's tall and can, and can get out to the three-point line. So right. the arms you know, would be more beneficial yeah. in that situation. So be curious to see how uh, Painter. My concern would be, uh, Adam, his, he's so physical, mm-hmm. so strong. Um, that if you try to guard him with Matt, Matt right. Harms, there is going to be a mismatch there just sure. in physicality. Right. Uh, now Matt will have a height, th- height advantage on him and might make it difficult for him to score over the top of him, but you know, Garza's pretty good about just moving you out of the way right. and scoring <laughs> around you. Uh, I don't think he can do that to Travion Williams, yeah. um, but I didn't think Kofi Coburn could either, and Kofi right. Coburn was able to move Travion. So, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's going to be, uh, by far, I think we're playing the best player in the league on Wednesday night in, in Garza. And not to look past that game, but we're talking about the week ahead. Even well, I don't want to say even bigger, but for some people, an even bigger sure. game oh, on yeah. Saturday. Sure. We've got to travel down to Bloomington to play the rival IU. And they've been similar to us, and they've been very good at home. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, beat Florida State at home. I, yeah. I mean, what a great win! Florida State's been in the top ten basically all year. Um, you know, that's a team we played to an, to an overtime game in a neutral site game. Yeah. Um, but IU really took it to them at home. So IU is very similar to Purdue, been very good at home, has really labored on the road. Uh, I saw someone, I think, tweet out last week that, hey, they could see uh, they could see Indiana winning that game Saturday by 20, and then they could see Purdue winning the game at Mackey Arena later in the month by 20. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there might be some truth to that sure. because those, those are two teams that have really been Jekyll and Hyde between home and road teams all year. Yeah. We've called uh, – I know some Purdue fans have called – Assembly Hall, Mackey away from Mackey, the way we've owned them the last few years. But I think this year will be a definitely a, a more challenging uh, game down there. Talk about the the state of the Purdue basketball program right now. I know it's been, you know, expectations varied this year with losing Carson. We're kind of on that NCAA tournament line. Where, where do you think they're at, and do you think they're an NCAA tournament team right now? Well, wow, that there's a $64 million question. As of this very second, as you and I are talking here, Adam, uh, I do think Purdue is in. But by literally by the skin of its mm-hmm. teeth, 
Uh, and it really depends on which, uh, you know, bracketologist you yeah, pay right. attention to. <laughs> I know a couple of them have us in as like the 11 seed mm-hmm. playing in Dayton in the play-in game, yeah. which means basically you're the last at-large team in, right? right? You're the last one to get in. I've seen some that have us first four out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen others that have us completely out, not even mentioned. But I do feel like if you look at Purdue's resume, they do have enough quad one wins that they should certainly be right there in that conversation. Uh, Purdue's net, you know, and again, this is as we speak right now. I know that net, that NET mm-hmm. uh, ranking changes on a pretty regular basis. But uh, Purdue is right now, I think, 39 as okay. we're taping this broadcast. So uh, 39 is pretty good in the yeah. net. That's, I mean, you're solidly in there. So um, let me let me put it to you this way. Purdue probably needs another one or two really quality wins. Yeah. And one of those away from home is not going to hurt. Right. One of those in the Big Ten tournament's not going to hurt. Right. Um, but I, I do think right now uh, they would be in, but again, by the slimmest of margins. Right, right. Um, I want to talk about some of the greats you've gotten to work alongside of. You've gotten to work along Clisby for you know over a dozen years now, and you got yeah. to work for a few years along uh, Joe McConnell, a great uh, caller for football. We'll sure. get to him in a minute. Talk about working alongside Clisby. Well, it's, uh, that's a heck of a, a question. Um, you might have to imagine, as I told you, I grew up just north of Lafayette. Uh, and back in the 70s when you, you know, basically had three channels uh, on your antenna <laughs> off of your television, <laughs> uh, one of those channels happened to be Channel 18 in Lafayette. So I got to see Cliz. So you can imagine I'm a, I am a, really a teenager at this point, yeah. but young teenager. Uh, and, and, and Cliz is doing the sports at WLFI TV 18 in Lafayette. So I'm watching him. Again, you don't really have a choice. You want to see local sports. You don't have a lot of channels. <laughs> right. um, so I kind of grew up idolizing the guy, right? I mean, oh, my gosh, this is Larry Clisby. And then you find out, hey, you're going to work with Larry Clisby. <laughs> holy, I mean, <laughs> holy cow, what luck. Um, but then you get uh, I had the opportunity, obviously, to get to know him, uh, and he's been nothing but generous and gracious to me. Uh, and he didn't have to be, quite frankly. I mean, look, 16 years ago, he could have said, who is this young buck stepping in here thinking he can help our broadcast? <laughs> uh, but that wasn't the case. He was very open and, and again, very, very gracious and, and very helpful with me in my broadcasting situation and my career and uh, gave me a lot of pointers. I told you one earlier. Uh, yeah. He's given me a lot of pointers over the years. Um, I've learned a lot from him without question. Obviously, we're in a little bit different situation now that his health has gone mm-hmm. uh, has gone uh, in a, in a, in a, the wrong direction. Um, but the fact he's still there calling the games, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I shudder to think, Adam, what it's going to be like when he does officially retire, whenever <laughs> that might be. Yeah. Uh, because I can't imagine, and, and think of this, I'm actually on the broadcast myself, but I can't imagine listening to a Purdue game that doesn't have Larry Clisby's yeah. voice on it. Uh, hopefully I'm still a few years away from having to do sure. that. But, yeah, it's been, I mean, what a treat. Again, a guy you grow up idolizing – and then the next thing you know, you're in the chair right beside him, and right. you're learning from him, and you and you consider yourself a coworker of his. So yeah, that, that's it's been pretty cool. And you talk about how gracious he's been this year. He kind of handed over the play by play call duties to you. talk about that moment, and, and again, just you know, the, and also talk about the support Purdue has just had for him, especially over the last couple of years with his health battles. Yeah, you think about uh, he had the special T-shirts made up two mm-hmm. summers ago that said uh, "Bullseye," mm-hmm. right? Is <laughs> His famous call. I still see those T-shirts floating around Mac <laughs> Arena at, at home games. Someone will wear a bullseye T-shirt, which is awesome. Uh, but, of course, he had his, his bout with brain cancer and stage 4 lung cancer, and, and the good news is it's in remission, yeah. right? So that's always good to, to know. But, I mean, yeah, uh, talking about the decision that was made. Basically, it was the fifth game of the regular season this year. Uh, we we kind of had a meeting of the minds. A lot of different folks were involved in that meeting. 
um, about what would be best for the broadcast, quite frankly. And Cliz, being the pro that he is, uh, was one of the very first to say we need to make a change. Uh, and, and Rob, let's have you do the play-by-play, and I'll do the I'll do the color, right? Yeah. And uh, and and look, he could have fought that. Uh, he could have made it difficult, and who would have blamed him? I mean, the guy's been doing it forty-two years now. I think uh, no one would have been angry at him if he would have, you know, had a had some pushback. Mm-hmm. But there was no pushback. You know, he was in agreement with everyone else that yeah, this is what's best for the broadcast, and and let, let's move forward doing it this way. And and I, I look, it's easy for me to be biased because I'm the guy that gets to do the play-by-play. Yeah. But I think it's been great I, yeah. because, and I say that because Adam, we were able to keep Cliz a part of the broadcast, yes. right? He's yeah. still a part of it. Uh, he doesn't have as much on his plate now, so it's easier for him to relax, yeah. um, just settle in and watch the game, talk about what he sees. He doesn't have to do all the prep work with all the numbers and the. Uh, the interviews and all that stuff, right? He can just sit down and and talk about what he sees yeah. and yell bullseye when we make right. a three. Now, I mean, what a gig, right? right. But he deserves that gig. Forty two years in the, yes. uh, with Purdue Radio, he deserves that gig. Where just pull up here, Cliz will give you a microphone. If you feel like talking, talk. If you yeah. don't, don't. <laughs> but yeah. just make sure you yell bullseye. So yeah, it's worked out awesome. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. And uh, t- you know the bullseye signature call. I don't know if you have one, if you're working on one, or would you carry that on, or would uh, you, you know, feel that's Clisby's? No, one? I've always thought that's a great question because mm-hmm. I have thought about that, <laughs> um, and I don't know. I don't have that answer. Um, there's a part of me that says that's Clis's, mm-hmm. so when he does finally ultimately retire, that should retire with yeah. him because that's his. But then there's another part of me that says, no, you got to carry on that yeah. legacy, right, because that, that's his, so you right. want to carry it on. So I don't have an answer. Yeah. I don't know yet. I'm not sure. It's definitely a challenge because you have those traditionalists saying, "Oh, yes, you know, you right. can't." But then there's people like, "You got to carry it on." Right? right. It's, it's, I don't know. Tough... I'm. I think <laughs> each day I change my mind. Yeah. Uh, so I, who knows what eventually will? Again, I hope we're a few a few years away from having to make sure, that decision. Definitely. Uh, another great. You got to work alongside for a couple of years before you retired, Joe McConnell for the uh, calling the football games up there. Talk about working alongside him as well. Yeah. Now a little different there, only because I didn't have quite the number of years in sure. with Joe. And the relationship wasn't as intimate only because I was the sideline reporter, um, so you're not really in the, in the booth, booth with him and right beside him. But, yeah, I mean, it was, again, you, you look at another guy, like if you grow up in broadcasting and you hear you have the chance to work with Joe McConnell, you're like, oh, my goodness. I, I mean, what did I do to deserve this? You look at his resume. Yeah. I mean, all the different professional franchises he worked for, including the Pacers and the mm-hmm. Colts, uh, all the different – college teams that he worked for and North, Northwestern being one of them uh, one of them and of course Purdue major league baseball franchises he worked for I mean holy mackerel <laughs> I mean this guy has a resume that most of us would kill to have yeah. even half of the jobs he's had or had over his years so yeah that was again I look I've been really lucky now because I've I've you know, uh, it's not certainly interning. That's because I'm at least getting paid when I was with those guys as a young broadcaster. <laughs> but um, to be an apprentice, maybe that's the right yeah. word. To be an apprentice under those two guys, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's getting awful lucky right there. Yeah, what a blessing. Uh, talk about some of your favorite memories, whether it's on the foot, you know, working sidelines in football or the booth or for basketball. Any memories that stick out to you? Uh, from calling games? Uh, yeah, sure. I do get asked this a lot, as you might imagine. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, what was your favorite game, favorite mm-hmm. player, those kind of things. Actually, um, I, I, this is a little corny, but my first football game as the sideline reporter um, was at Toledo. Purdue opened the okay. season at Toledo. That was my first ever game as a sideline reporter. Joe McConnell, obviously, on the play-by-play. Um, I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store. And I was yeah. really nervous, too, because yeah. it was my first – First gig on the radio network on the sidelines. 
Um, but I, I remember that vividly. It was a late night game, and here it's the story really has nothing to do with Purdue, but I'll share it anyway. <laughs> so the game went until after midnight. It was a late night Saturday night game. And the Toledo radio, uh, I beg your pardon, Toledo student radio station was calling the game. So the game got late into the fourth quarter and it got till midnight, and we're still maybe five minutes to go in the game. The Toledo student radio station, I noticed their booth, because I could see from down on the field, their booth went dark. <laughs> well, apparently the student radio station, it turned the signal off at midnight. So at midnight, they just packed up and went home. Now there's still five minutes to go in the game. I'm like, that's funny. When, where did those guys go? So that's, well, I know that sounds, that's a bit of a corny one, but I, that's always stuck with me that they just up and left right in the middle of the game. The game wasn't even over. Um, that was one of the more enjoyable uh, uh, stories I have from football. Basketball, uh, there have been some good ones. Uh, I shared this one actually earlier on the coaches show. I don't know if this is my favorite, but it ranks right up there. Um, and again, it's a really an obscure game, but the game at Illinois, uh, where John Hart, uh, uh, helped us win the game, yeah. uh, after not even being in the scorebook, we yes. forgot to put him in the scorebook. <laughs> uh, so he subbed in the, and the only reason he subbed in, now you have to remember John Hart rarely played, right. rarely played. The only reason Matt put him in is we were so bad in the first half. Matt basically was said, what the heck, yeah. what, what could it hurt? Right. John go in the game. Yeah. And when you know, John had 11 points, helped us win the game. But you'll remember he starts the game with a technical. Right. Because as soon as he subs in, well, it's a technical. He's not in the book. So, you, I mean, Coach Painter's already losing his mind. <laughs> now we've just subbed in a guy who's not even in the book. We have to take a technical. And wouldn't you know it, John Hart helps us win that game oh, because man. he was so good in that game. He got interviewed on ESPN. Yeah. I remember Aaron Andrews, who yeah. was just doing the Super Bowl, was interviewing John Hart yeah. live on ESPN television. And I'm thinking to myself, these are the kind of stories you can't script. Yes. I mean, a guy that never plays, you're not even in the scorebook, and now he's getting interviewed by Aaron Andrews. But that one would rank right up there as one of my all-time favorite basketball stories. That's awesome. That, I, I remember watching that game, the local Beach Grove kid, uh, watching that game. That was, it was, yeah, like you said, <laughs> I mean, Painter's pulling out his hair, and what do you have to lose? Throw him in. Yeah, so hey, just Man. go to the deepest part of your bench. <laughs> hey, what's your name again? Yeah, go in the game. Yeah, right. and, and I'll be darned he did help us win that game. That was That's a heck of a story. Yeah. You get the blessing of getting to call games in Mackey Arena, which I, you know, obviously I'm biased and probably yourself as well. <laughs> no greater place to to call a game or watch a basketball game. Um, talk about getting to do that as your job. Yeah. So, well, first of all, so loud. Um, and I don't want to sound, come off as a complainer because I'm not <laughs> complaining, but it is so loud in there. When uh, So when we beat Indiana to win the Big Ten championship, uh, let's see, three years ago, it was so loud in there that when the game was finally over and I finally took my headset off, I had the worst headache for yeah. like two days. Uh, because even with your headphones cranked up as loud as they can, the the building gets so loud yeah. in there that you can't hardly hear yourself <laughs> think. But it is a wonderful advantage yeah. uh, to have. Mm -hmm. I've told this story often. Um, P.J. Thompson, I, I believe it was his senior year, uh, and I don't remember who we were playing. It was obviously a big game, though, because it was so loud uh, that P.J. could not have been three feet from Coach Painter. He, he was dribbling the ball right in front of our bench. Coach <laughs> Painter was trying to tell him the play he wanted him to run, and I could read P.J.'s lips perfectly because he was right in front of me, and P.J. was screaming at Matt, at Matt Painter, I can't hear you. That's how loud it was. Now, they're three feet away from each other. Matt is screaming at P.J. P.J. is screaming back, I can't hear you. That's how loud it gets in there. So imagine that. Your own point guard can't even hear the coach from three feet yeah. away, but – it is a, a look. It is an advantage. Yeah. We've seen that this year, Adam, in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. um, now that Rutgers has gotten better, 
Maryland's always had a great home court advantage. Michigan State, Indiana, I've always had great home court advantages. Those buildings get so loud, it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten, and I think that's a huge part of it. Um, the crowds are so intimidating. Uh, if nothing else, from a communication standpoint, you, you yeah. even if imagine if at a home game you can't talk to your own coach, what it's like on the road. Sure. Yeah, and I remember uh, I talked to Coach Painter uh, uh, earlier this fall, and he talked about that during huddles. It's getting so yeah. loud. Like he's gone to the drawing board sometimes right. because they can't even can't hear, hear him right inside that huddle. Uh, what about road venues? You got a favorite road venue you like to visit? I do, but the Purdue fans always beat me up over yeah. this, and 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 fairly, uh, this is being fair. Uh, they should beat me up over this, but my favorite road venue to call a game in is is Minnesota, the barn. Okay. Now I know we've had some bad mm-hmm. things happen to us basketball wise in the barn. Yeah. Uh, um, Robbie Hummel, notwithstanding, obviously. Right. But it's always been my uh, my favorite. There's just something about it. I think just because of how old the venue mm-hmm. is. And look, it's not a great place to watch a game. There's some really bad seats in there with obstructed views. Yeah. Um, but I did, there's something about the nostalgia of that okay. building. You think about all the players that have come there and played in that building over all these years. Um, and uh, the raised floor, I think, is neat. I know it's probably not the safest thing for the yeah. players from a viewer standpoint uh, or fan standpoint, a bigger part, and I think it's awesome. Um, and to me, there's just something about playing in Minnesota in the dead of winter, uh, playing basketball yeah. indoors, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. That's why we play basketball right. indoors. <laughs> um, but that's, that's I, again, I know the Purdue fans hate when I say that, but I have to be honest, yeah. Minnesota is my favorite road venue to call a game yeah. in. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I was going to ask, and not to bring up a sore subject, but what, and maybe it's the same answer, maybe it's not, what has been the toughest game you've ever had to call emotionally or, or just, you know, you know, probably I'm assuming a loss, but yeah, yeah sure. Game. Is, is there, oh, was there that one that is a out? good one. Now, now it's, I know you're thinking the top of your head, the Robbie Hummel yeah. injury game, that one wasn't really, um, that one hurt more after the fact, sure. right? Cause sure. when it happened, you remember we won that game. Right. A lot of people forget we did win that game. Uh, Rob went out, but Keaton Grant played really well for yeah. us down the stretch and helped us win that game. Um, and, and so, so we win that game, you get on the bus, and at that point you're still optimistic that maybe it's not all that bad, sure. right? You don't find out till the next day uh, that, that, that that had happened. Um, probably, I'm just going off the top of my head, my gut instinct would tell me the most disappointing or devastating loss was losing to VCU mm. uh, in the round of 32 mm-hmm. in Chicago. Uh, a number of reasons why that was a devastating loss, yeah. but – you know, we just lost Kelsey Barlow. Didn't lose him. We we yeah, dismissed sure. him from the team right before the tournament started. Mm-hmm. So we we're kind of helter skelter there because our our lineup had changed quite a bit with with him out of the lineup. Right. Now um, it was Jawan Johnson and and Etwan Moore's senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were and I'll never forget Rob Hummel was in tears oh, over I'm, there in street clothes, right? Because there's nothing that. he could do about it. Yeah, uh, not his fault. But man, you, yep. you think you think boy, if he would have been on that team. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, we were we were a three seed, yeah, three yep. seed in Chicago. So we had a ton of fans. Yeah. VCU was the 11 seed. VCU had to play in the play-in game right. to even get there. Now VCU makes the Final Four, so yeah, they certainly deserve a ton of credit. That mm-hmm. doesn't make that win a fluke. They obviously right. had a good team, but yeah, because that was the game we'd beaten St. Peter's in the game before by like it felt like a hundred. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you just felt like we were rolling, yeah. right? Oh, we're, we're headed to the Sweet Sixteen, no problem. This would right. be a piece of cake. And then you were walking, and I think we lost. I don't know, Adam. You maybe know better than I. We lost by eleven or fifteen or something. Digits, yeah. Double digit loss for sure. And I remember walking out of that building thinking, "What just happened? Yeah. Holy mackerel!" Um, so that one, I would put that <clears throat> one one A. Yeah. 
Uh, in 1B would be out in Denver, losing to Little Rock. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, now, they made some incredible shots in the final five minutes yeah. in overtime that I think if you asked them to make it again, they couldn't make any of them. Sure. But, hey, they made them. To their yeah. credit, they made them. And uh, we had a couple tough calls go against us that we found out yep. afterwards when you looked at the replay with the wrong calls. But, they, yeah. hey, welcome to tournament basketball. Right. That's what happens. But yeah, those would be the those would be one A and one B, I think. Uh, and I'm with you there too. It's just from a fan perspective. I remember watching the Little Rock game actually in this building. I was you know working night side and and just watching that kind of implode. And so oh, I, with I five know that minutes was, you felt yeah. like we had this oh, in the yeah. bag. I yeah. mean, I'm already thinking about where I'm going for post game right. meal. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> five minutes later, you're like, oh, we're going to overtime. What just happened you're here? Right. Yeah. And it was you know Biggie sitting on the bench. I think it was. Caleb sitting on the bench that whole in that whole game too. I think in the overtime, uh, had he fouled out? Maybe I, know, I, I think don't he remember. just didn't play. Just wasn't He's a freshman, well. and uh, yeah, I think wasn't playing well. Um, but yeah, and then going back to that that VCU game, I remember it was hard enough watching them lose that game, especially for you know Jawan and Etwan. And then yeah, like you said, you look down at Robbie at the end Fell of the bench, so and, and that whole uh, season just yeah. kind of crumbled right before our eyes, right at the end mm-hmm. of the year. Again, you know the Kelsey Barlow situation yeah. was unfortunate, and and uh, just. <laughs> if you would now think if you would have drawn up that bracket before the games and said, "All right, you got to play VCU to get to the Sweet 16," you would have taken that game a hundred sure. times over. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess guess not. We won't go deep into it. We could also argue that what was Purdue doing being a three seed? You know, we were we were probably this close away from being the number one overall seed yeah. before things you know kind of spiraled out of control. There at the yeah, end so of the until season. the very end of the year, so, absolutely. And I remember watching that that game uh, the next year when Hummel got the player two years, I guess later when he. He injured himself again, but you know the Kansas game where he actually yeah you know had the chance to hit the shot and well he was so good in the it, first half. Gosh, you remember yeah. Rob just couldn't miss. Missed. Yeah, matter of fact, and now that Rob's into broadcasting, he's had a few Kansas games over the years, <laughs> and he tells me Bill Self always goes out of his way to come over and say something about hey yeah. Rob, you were you were so good yeah. in that game against us, and he was that first half against Kansas. He was he played like Superman, right? And I don't know if there's, I mean. I, there's so many greats that have come through Purdue, and, but I don't know if there's anybody I've just rooted harder for, and, and we can talk about this a little bit. So happy for him right now. You know, you, he got to the NBA, and then that didn't kind of work out, and he kind of retired. But this three-on-three thing is yes, awesome. Right. And, you know, for the opportunity to possibly go to the Olympics and, and you know, win a medal there, that's really cool. And the fact he's done so well in broadcasting. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, he's... Love seeing him on TV. Yeah, it's... You th- look, I th- he would tell you he'd trade all of this current success for a Final Four, right, yeah, when sure. he was a player. Um, but, yeah, the fact that that some good things have really happened to him post-college basketball, you just mentioned two great things that have happened to him. And i yeah. I got to tell you, I haven't met a person along the way uh, along the way that dislikes Rob Hummel. He's right. such a likable right. guy. Yeah. Even the Indiana fans like yeah. Robbie Hummel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so great dude. Uh, very talented, obviously, in basketball and broadcasting. And, yeah, he's carved out a nice little niche for himself here post-college. Yeah. Uh, don't want to take up too much of your time, but really quickly, I want to talk a little bit about Purdue baseball. Yeah. New coaches here. You get to call those games as well. You do yeah. f- football, basketball, and baseball as well. Uh, Greg Goff takes over as uh, I believe was current uh, was an assistant, right? And right, then, and been an assistant coach for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a story on Coach Goff. Uh, has, has been a head coach at a couple of mm-hmm. different stops. Uh, most recently, Alabama. So he was a head coach in the SEC. Was only there for one year and got fired. Um, but because he had a three year contract, uh, they were still going to pay him. Had to pay him <laughs> for the next two years. Yeah. Uh, so at the time he was, uh, and still is, as you say, at the time he's still a very good friend of Mark Wasikowski, okay. who was a Purdue head coach at the time. Mm-hmm. And Mark called him and said, "Hey, look, you're getting paid. 
you don't have anything better to do, come coach with us, <laughs> yeah. right? You'll be a volunteer assistant. Uh, we don't have to pay you because Alabama's <laughs> right. paying you. So you're still getting paid, but you, you'll wear a Purdue uniform and help me coach as yeah. a volunteer. And, I mean, what a what a luxury. You have a guy on your staff who's a former head coach in the SEC. Yeah. Um, and so then Mark takes the Oregon job this past summer, which was uh, great for him. He's from out there originally anyway, so it was a great, uh, great opportunity for him. And it just made sense to slide Greg Goff into the head coaching position. Yeah. So the players know him. That's a great thing. They've been with him the last two years, yeah. so they know him. They're familiar with his coaching style. Um, he's likable. Um, he's originally from uh, from Kentucky. He's eating, or I beg your pardon, he's from Tennessee, from Jackson, Tennessee. He makes fun of his southern draw <laughs> and, and you know eating at Waffle House and all that yeah, stuff. He's really self-deprecating humor. Really, just a really genuine guy. Fun to know. Um, but he'll do a great job. Yeah. He. Uh, Again, it's not often, especially in the Big Ten, that you get a hire a guy who's got SEC ties because that's such a great baseball conference, but a guy that's been a head coach in the SEC. So yeah. he has the experience, and I, I think he's going to do a great job. Yeah. Nice. Now, are we going to the Omaha? I, I wouldn't go quite that far, <laughs> sure. but I do think Purdue baseball is going to be much improved. I was going to say, that I think they're going the right direction. I know Mark had a, a good season a couple years ago, and yep. they kind of struggled last year, but right. it, it seems like the program is headed in the right direction. Agreed. Two years ago, went to the NCAA tournament, played out at North Carolina, won a game, mm-hmm. um, didn't advance but uh, to the Super Regionals, but did win a game. Yeah. Uh, last year was a tough year. Uh, last year, we were a little young, um, had a couple injuries in the pitching staff that we weren't expecting that really derailed us. Um, but yes, uh, Mark did a great job of, of really uh, 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 of perking up the uh, the talent pool. Yeah. Let's put it that way. The recruiting has gotten much better. Coach Goff has taken off with that uh, as well. So the talent level is better thanks to the recruiting. And yeah, Purdue baseball is like I said. I don't know if I'd make my tickets, book my tickets for Omaha just yet, but they are certainly improving. Yeah. I'd be remiss as, as we wrap up here. I'd be remiss if I, we didn't talk about uh, Raheem Mostert, who you got to, to see up close. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Decade ago, awesome to see him score super uh, touching on the Super Bowl, and then obviously the four two weeks before that. Talk about from seeing him at Purdue to seeing him, you know, last or uh, Sunday night in the Super Bowl. It was funny because we, well, you know, Adam, you follow Purdue mm-hmm. football. We didn't put the ball in his hands that much, Thank right? You. Right, uh, not enough, right? <laughs> uh, you know, he was a returner and uh, kind of a part-time wide receiver. Yeah. Um, and now you watch what he's doing in the NFL, you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> now, you knew he was fast, but you knew right. that from track, right? right? You followed him in track, and, and hunt, you, yeah. you won the 100-meter dash, the 200-meter dash in the Big Ten outdoors, won the 60-meter dash, Big Ten indoors. So you knew he could run. There was never yeah. a concern about, oh, can he, you know, but is he a football player? Well, yeah, obviously he is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a part of me that's angry that, oh, why didn't we use him more? Why didn't we see all this talent? Then there's also a part of me that says, well, six other NFL teams didn't see it either because sure. they cut him. So, yeah. so what what we didn't see, six mm-hmm. other teams in the NFL did not see either. But, yeah. oh, man, what and, a what a career for him that he's starting to carve out in the NFL. Right. That I mean, that That's is pretty a, awesome. Yeah, and, and, you know, players develop, and, and, and sometimes getting cut motivates you to work a little sure. harder. But, yeah, I, I remember at Purdue when I'd see him get the ball in space. Oh, so I thought fast. he was underutilized, but you know, we won't, we so won't, fast. We won't bury the coaches that were <laughs> there. <laughs> That's, at the, right. at That's the water time. under the bridge. Right. right. <laughs> um, well, Rob, I'm uh, so thankful for your time today and appreciate you uh, coming into the full steam ahead podcast. Oh yeah. Adam, uh, thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank right. you. Boiler up, man. Yeah. Boiler yeah. up. I like it. A reminder, you can follow the full steam ahead podcast on Twitter at full steam pod. And you can always listen to like comment, subscribe, to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. 
Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.